and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. Hello, Corey. That's right. We are doing something special today in these whole set of episodes. We are bringing you on for these... uh, sequel episodes that we are going to call them. Basically, they're the only criteria that we are doing for these, uh, which are going to be episodes that we'll throw in whenever, um, are going to be episodes that have to be a sequel to something that we've already done, that John and I have already done. Right. But you've been a special guest on the podcast multiple times. I like you. You're kind of cool or whatnot. But also, it's fun to talk to you. And these movies that we're going to talk about are ones that John and I really aren't super nostalgic for, and in general are just kind of fun to talk about. Other people might be nostalgic for them, and they're just, they're fun. They're extra, they're, they're, it's extra content. A little extra bit of funsies around yes. the corner every, every now and again, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're the sequels to the movies that we love. Some of them might be ones I actually do love, maybe even love more than the originals. There's one coming up that I really enjoy. Spoiler yeah. alert, this was not it. Yeah, no. You were like, <laughs> Really? This is the one you want to start with? And I'm like, fuck yes, this is the one I want to start with. So uh, on this episode, we are going to discuss the never-ending story to the next chapter, which is obviously the sequel. Which is a real doozy, guys. (laughs) A real fucking doozy. It's the sequel to the never-ending story from, I believe, 1984, I think is when it came out, I think. Um, And I I wanted to do this one because never-ending story was the very first episode that Blast from Our Past put out. Because that's a movie that I hold in massive nostalgia. When I think of, like, my number one nostalgic movie, Never Ending Story is it. And so that's partly why that was our very first episode. And that's why I wanted the sequel to be the first episode for this sequel series. I mean, it makes sense completely. And I love the Never Ending Story. Maybe not as much as you, but I, I yeah. definitely enjoyed the episode where you talked about it. I, I got a sense of your enthusiasm for it. How often would you say you watch the first one? Like on a regular basis or yeah. like once every few years type of thing? Yeah, once every few years. Few years. I do own it on Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, and so like I remember, I mean, I had it on DVD for a long time. How does that Blu-ray transfers look good? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some obvious, uh, you know, noise to it or grain to it that's as there would with any you know 80s film or whatnot but i like the grain yeah exactly me too me too i mean i'm a film student and you know that you kind of i miss it, film it, grain yeah exactly. it makes it you know it's easier to watch it's yeah. not as clean it's not as realistic and then also when you have special effects or visual effects they make it a little bit more you know into the world right because you can yeah hide them in there with the grain or something yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah i mean totally off hand but uh i rewatched. Starship Troopers, maybe a year or so ago. I love that movie. And the visual effects on Starship Troopers hold up so much better than like because re- like maybe a week before that, I had watched um, a rewatched Jurassic World, and I was like, oh my god, the v- the VFX in Starship Troopers look so much better than the VFX in Jurassic World. Yeah, and I'm like. Because partly because there's a grain to it, and they match the grain, and it just it looks like those bugs are fucking in that world. And and, like, and yeah. dude, Phil Tippett is awesome. He was yeah. the guy who did like all the bug mm-hmm. effects and everything. I I believe, please guys, don't crucify me, but I believe he's from an ILM background. Mm. So so there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> I are you not to put you on the spot, and it might have already come out by now. It depends on when you release yeah. this. Are you going to ever do a Starship Troopers episode? Yes, it's okay, definitely sweet. on the docket. One hundred percent, it's on the list we just we have a big ass list oh yeah you we, guys you guys have content for years yeah, we're trying to be like somewhat topical you know if it's like right uh, um you know whatever if it's a, if it's 
Mother's Day, maybe we'll do like a mother's movie or something like Serial <laughs> Mom or I don't know. Oh yeah, Serial Mom, remember that movie? <laughs> so, uh, but whatever. And so we've got to, it's it's something we will be doing. Okay, but we are here to talk about the Never Ending Story Two. The never Ending Story. That song does not show up in this movie very well, uh, and that's that. It sucks. It pisses me off. We'll talk about that. We will. We will talk about that. <laughs> so, the Neverending Story two, the next chapter, came out in 1990. How uh, old were you in 1990? Five years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was born in 78, so I was 12. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, p- post RoboCop. <laughs> post, yeah, post RoboCop for you. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You've been. You were. Uh, I saw. The, I saw RoboCop in the theater yeah, at this you were point. A 12 year old who was probably more like a 27 year old. Yeah. Uh, from what I've seen. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was still very much a four or five year old probably when this movie came out uh so still a little young but it was still right right in my wheelhouse kind of area um i definitely remember this film i i remember it too i i remember not wanting to see it when i saw the trailers for it (laughs) i did see i when i and, and we'll talk about this as we go through um like there's a lot that i definitely like oh my god i remember that thing i remember that thing and so like it, this one did hit me in a nice nostalgic light because there were so many parts of it that i did be like oh yeah fuck yeah that little thing and then part of me was like oh fuck no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that Ugh. yes <laughs> so all right um this movie was directed by george miller so I paused it right there, and I was like, what the fuck? Is this the guy who did Mad Max? Nope. Not that George Miller. <laughs> this is, yeah, not the Mad Max Fury Road, Mad Max Road Warrior guy. This is the George Miller that did the movie uh, Andre, which is uh, the one where that girl from Waterworld and Napoleon Dynamite has a seal. Uh, no, no idea. You don't remember that one? No. Okay, I totally remember oh, Andre. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, with the seal. Yep, yep. Yeah. It, that, in my head, kind of, like, mixes with all those other movies. Like, what was it, Chimp in the Outfield? Or was, uh, something with, Ed, with, Ed, with Matt LeBlanc. Ed Le- was the movie, Ed. Matt LeBlanc? Yep, Ed. Okay. Yeah. It kind of mixes in yeah. my head with, like, the <laughs> of absurdity of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those uh, you know, kids with um, pets movies were, I mean, like, with, mm-hmm. starting probably with, like, Free Willy. And even like, you know, they had the Flipper movie in the 90s with Elijah Wood and just a bunch of those kind of ones, all uh, Air Bud even, like that kind of shit. There's there's a ton of them. But Andre was in that mix uh, and George Miller did that and a bunch of uh, I think he produced a lot was his main thing. Because if you look up on IMDb, the never ending story, like crew and cast, no one has any pictures like because no one has (laughs) anything else they've done. It's all terrible. It's all bad, except for Jonathan Brandis. But then his sort of went dark as well. Yeah, yeah. So his storyline, obviously, is real. Yeah, his personal. Yeah, his yeah. personal one went. But bad. Every, everybody else, I was trying to look up other people to like. Oh, and I'm going to mention the writer and the musician or the composer, and nobody really did anything worth talking about. So, <laughs> so, so I assume this thing was must have been just cobbled together with a yeah. terrible budget and yeah. just terrible concepts. You can tell that, yes, right watch. from the top, <laughs> and you can especially tell that from the opening theme song. Oh, and God. the so, do you want to get into that opening scene? Oh, or, or yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, Let's, 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 let me go over who this who this what this movie stars. Okay, um, but then yeah, well, let's. let's I'm so excited oh. to, to start. I mean, I, I texted Adam five minutes in, and I was like, "Bro, <laughs> I already have nine notes, and it's five minutes into yeah. this thing." Yeah, it's rough. Uh, so anyway, this movie stars, as you mentioned, Jonathan Brandis, who is definitely the biggest star in this entire movie. Um, we've talked about him before in the Sequest Sidekicks episode. Um, rest in peace, Jonathan Brandis. But uh, he was he was 100. percent the biggest star in this movie. Uh, Kenny Morrison plays Atreyu, 
not the same guy from the original. Also, no. obviously, Jonathan Brandis was not the same kid from the original. That was Barrett Oliver. So not the same Atreyu either. Uh, this Kenny Morrison really hasn't done anything else. Some minor roles. Yeah, some minor stuff. And he also looks like he directs and produces and stuff. Yeah, so, some stuff yeah. like that. Uh, Clarissa, he, I think he was in TMNT. I think he was a foot soldier somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did that, that was the only thing a, I was like, yay! Just a little foot soldier. Yeah. Um, and then Clarissa Burt as Zaid. There's not much else that she's done. She's the villain of this movie. She hasn't really done much else that I can think of or that I noticed. I I want to talk about her, and I don't know if we should get to it where she's introduced. Yeah. But why did she look familiar when she had nothing that I'd ever seen her yeah, in? Yeah, I don't know. And why did she do so much with her eyes? To me, she reminded me of the villain from Red Sonia, if you've seen that. Yeah, of they, course. There yeah. was a lot of similarities yeah. with them. Like, you know, they had their very, you know— main evil witches uh, who yeah. just had like these kind of shitty little minion things. I don't but know. There, there was something about her look that seemed familiar. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, and, and I was a little bit shocked when she had no other credits or, or no yeah. picture on IMDb. You know it's a bad uh, sign when they don't have a picture. You yeah, know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, John Wesley Shipp plays the dad in best, this movie. Best part of the movie. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, I love John Wesley Shipp. I mean, I don't blame any of his acting on him. Yeah, uh, I think that's all the directing in this movie is. Yeah, is, is, yeah the directing and the writing is really is rough. all at fault because um, we know Jonathan Brandis is a good actor. We know what John Wesley Shipp is yes, a good actor. Yeah. And both of them are terrible in this. Yes, they Absolutely are. terrible. Uh, John Wesley Shipp, for other people, he was the Flash in the 90s Flash show. And then also he's kind of been revamped as the Flash or as an older Flash in the new Flash show as well. And he was, uh, he was the chin before uh, Bruce Campbell was the chin, I'd oh, say. Okay, <laughs> he was the guy with the but, chin. Yeah, Bruce Campbell's chin just overshadows it does. everyone else's. It chin. does. And then uh, the childlike. So also, sorry. Also, John Wes- Wesley Ship was not the original dad uh, in, in in the first Neverending Story because that was the dad from Major Dad. I can't remember his name. Um, Dab- was- Dabney Coleman? No, 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 no. no, no. The, do you remember the USA I show? Do, I do remember uh, Major Dad. That wasn't USA. That was like normal, regular well, television. Well, I only remember, I okay, remember yeah, okay, it as yeah, USA yeah. for syndication. That's I, the only thing. That's I totally equate yes, Major gotcha. Dad on USA. Gotcha. Um, but then also, yeah, but he wasn't the original one. And then also not the original. Again, there was only one actor who reprised his role in this entire movie, um, and that was uh, Coriander. Uh, he was in the original and this one. And then the Childlike Empress was not the same original Childlike Empress. Um, this uh, Alexandra Jones was this Childlike Empress, and she was... Uh, a document she's now pretty much become a, a documentary producer yeah she actually she seems to have the best career out of everybody yeah. on here and yeah. I, I wasn't expecting that yeah. i was like oh no she's she produces she directs she seems to be pretty prolific so yeah, good for her she, she made it out of. i don't think she was all that good uh in this movie of course not. all the two seconds yeah. that she was in it kind of missed tammy stronach who was the original childlike empress but i would imagine this was like six years later she was probably a little too old to play yeah the same role um, so I get that. I think my, my biggest problem when I saw this for the first time, and I don't even remember when that was, yeah. but I mean, it was, I rented it on VHS or something when I was a kid. I, it was such a disconnection from the original to me that I almost didn't understand that these were the same characters. Mm. I almost, I, I think I almost thought that it was just a different story and yeah. not that he was the same bastion yeah. from the original <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the original Bastion have brown hair, and, yes. and he has like blonde he hair? He definitely looked different. Uh, I mean, Barrett Oliver is, doesn't look anything like Jonathan Brandis. And Barrett Oliver, he was the kid from Witness, or was that a different kid? Uh, I, With the you know the Harrison Ford yeah, movie. No, I don't remember if that. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, we're side getting sidetracked. That's okay. Yeah, I remember Barrett Oliver from like you know. 
fly the navigator. Oh, like right, that. right, right. That's that's who I'm thinking of. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was it's such a disconnection. Like it's such a drastic different casting for the dad yes. and and him. And I can be okay with the childlike empress because that's all fantasy. Yes, so very minor. I, I, an idea that like maybe she would be who you think she is type of thing. Like she kind of projects herself to be the way you think she looks. So that's fine. But the fact that Bastion is like now from a brunette to a blonde kid, and and I, I will talk. I'm sure we'll get to this, but does he remember the the events of the first movie? Yeah, I, I think it's part of it. It's absolutely is is this okay. is a continuation. Uh, yeah, I mean, because but, they, I mean, we go back to the bookstore. All right, let's, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. Into it. yeah. Let's I get mean, into it. We have to because there's so much in yeah, my yeah. brain right now. Exactly. I just can't we'll, handle it. It'll come out. Um, <laughs> I mean, other than the biggest, maybe the biggest issue in this entire movie is it's called Never Ending Two, Never Ending Story Two, the next chapter. But we saw Bastion finish the goddamn book. Right. It's not the next chapter. It's the next <laughs> book. But it's a never-ending story. So what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. I, I have nothing for you there, buddy. <laughs> I got nothing. They don't even need that tagline. They should just say, or the story continues, or some shit like that. The next chapter is dumb because he finished the chapter. Well, and, and I'll do you one more that pissed me off. So I'm watching it on Hulu, and the original never-ending story is spelled never-ending with a capital E, but the words are together. So never-ending are yes. together with a capital E. Never-ending story two is never-ending the words are together, but the E is not capitalized. Uh. I'm like, I, and, and as someone who's very prides himself on like always writing things sort of the correct way, mm. and I like having like a, a Bible for a brand, you know, I, I don't understand how no one caught that, but that's that's... Something totally ridiculous, and, yeah, and only on me. Fucking grammar pisses me off when they do, <laughs> don't do it right. <laughs> but yeah, I gotcha. All right, let's get into the movie. Oh, thank God. Let's start. <laughs> and and the way you started off, the music is fucking awful. This this song is just lame, and the title cards, these title cards go on forever, and they look so low quality. Yeah. Every, it immediately starts off this film as... Oh well, this is like a shitty made-for-TV sequel. Yeah, like this is obviously gonna be a big step down from the original. And the, the opening scene, like what everything's over with him making food and his dad's coming home. It's so awkward. The way it's shot is very different than the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's like they they shot that opening scene in a certain way in a certain style. They said, you know what, we're gonna kind of go back from scratch. This is usable. We're just gonna just throw it in. But it sets a tone for the film that is not how the film actually feels after yep. a while. Um, the human world feels very like weird and surreal, and yeah. not in a good way, not like in an Alice in Wonderland yeah. way. But I wrote down on my notes, when the dad comes home, um, of course, my, my notes start is uh, good old Jonathan Brandis and John Wesley Shep. That's, that's yeah. how I started it. But I'm like, the opening song is terrible. And then the dad yells at Bastion yeah. as if he were a dog when he spills the food on the ground. Yeah. He's like, Bastion! <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Yeah, we get that aspect that Bastion's still kind of, like, out in his head, a little imagination. But, like, their relationship where the dad in the first one was very, like, stop being so imaginative, basically. Like, get to the real world. And then this dad is not like that really, I don't think really correctly. And yet they're still supposed to be the same character. Yes, they're definitely, they're definitely supposed to be the same character. And it just, it doesn't work. Yeah, especially if you watch these back-to-back. It, it, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's a massive disconnect when you watch it back-to-back. Yeah. But that opening scene was just so so weird to me. It was very surreal, very weird. And every interaction with his dad is very weird. It is. And I don't like the dad's not the dad, I don't like the dad's performance. I don't like 
the dad's storyline at all. The B line, yeah, the B yeah, the story. B, the B line of him like starting to read the story. Him, him kind of like taking up the Bastion role from the first movie. It felt it, very forced. It did. Absolutely. I, I think uh, maybe once they got John Wesley shipped, they were like, we need to maybe beef this up a little bit. Because he, he is good, but the directing is fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And and later on, why is he so sweaty when he's reading the book? <laughs> so I wrote sweaty. that down. Why is he so sweaty? But oh we'll, we'll get God. to that. It's intense. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to cut to a swimming class. And we kind of see that Bastion's still a bit of a nerd. He's still kind of like, you know, a wimp. Getting kind of bullied around a little bit by the other kids. Just a minor in there, but like... Definitely also by the coach. Also by the coach who does not speak like a normal human. <laughs> no. He's uh, the swimming coach. Like, yeah, the Bastion apparently wants to, like, join this uh, swimming team, but he's too afraid to jump off of a high dive. Um, but the coach, I have mixed feelings about the coach because I thought the coach was going to be, like, a just a big old bully. But then at the same, at, at other times, he's kind of, like, being supportive. Right. But I, So I didn't, I didn't know where the fuck to go with that coach. Uh, and, and thankfully, he was only in it for a few seconds. Yes. Um, the, 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 <laughs> the waterfall yeah. effect yeah. was as bad as the Vortex and yeah, Monster really Squad. So, yeah, Bastion's at the top of the uh, high dive. And, uh, you know, this is the whole thing. You just have to jump off. And his imagination, you know, going wild, that's the whole thing of the first movie. And Bastion himself, he's all about imagination. He's he's imagining jumping this off, and it's like basically turns into Niagara Falls. And the green screen looks really rough. It does not, I mean, it looks like it's shitty, shitty stock footage, obviously, which it was. Yeah. That they just put behind him that they... Which they use multiple times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Way too many times. All the VFX blue screen stuff was terrible. Yeah. Like, absolutely terrible. And... Before we get off this scene, because I, I'm, you know, we're kind of wrapping it up. I, I want to go back to the dad and him, and, and the way the coach is. The uh-huh. first part of this movie shot so different, but then the dad's B storyline, when it is in the real world, it isn't the same as this, which yeah. is what I don't get. Do you, all right, okay. so the way the, just the way it looks and the way it's the way that people talk, the way they act, okay. the way they interact with Bastion is not the way they interact with the dad, like say the police officer or something yeah. like that. It's it just felt so different and weird. Yeah. I mean, were they trying I think maybe, they were trying to go for like real life as a fairy tale too. Maybe, but to me it's maybe, you know, kind of like through the eyes of Bastion early on in the real life and you know, you seeing things as a kid, you get this weird adults and stuff like that and then you kind of in the real world switch to the dad's perspective and it's a bit it's more a normal more, yeah a little bit more straight maybe yeah. that's it or it's just inconsistent directing <laughs> i think is probably it I, i'm gonna i'm gonna hope that there was thought put into it but i'm afraid it's the latter yeah yeah uh so we get back to home and we just see that there's some disconnects between bastion and his dad bastion is apparently kind of upset that his dad's dating again um we, we found out obviously in the first movie that you know, the mom had died a, a while ago. I believe it was cancer. Uh, we kind of see bits and pieces of that in this movie. And, you know, there's a weird whole... There's a whole thing uh, that Bastion's, like, wearing an old sweater that his mom knitted for him, you know. And he just it just shows that he really misses his mother. And the dad, you know, is trying to move on a little bit. And I get it. You know, you got to have needs. You're an adult. Uh, you know, having that human connection is more important. You can't just hang out with your... Your weird, <laughs> weird twelve-year-old son who yeah. wears like a sweater that's like ripped apart by mothball, like moths yes. just destroyed it. But exactly. the fact that the dad didn't even know why the kid was wearing it shows 
like the dad is checked out. Yeah, at, I think sure. at this point because you know Bastion's like mom made this, and you know the dad's kind of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about your mother. <laughs> I'm I'm plowing this new chick. I totally forgot about your mother. Yeah, you would probably have an issue with that, but you know what? I'm just gonna choose to yell at you instead. You going out tonight? Yeah. Uh, technical sales staff seminar. Listen. Is Miss Station Wagon gonna pick you up again? Why do you say that? A tie. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, addressing is common courtesy, Bastion. I mean, uh, something you ought to learn, by the way. Look at that old rag you're wearing. I like it. Well, I don't. Mom made it. You don't remember, do you? I still love John Wesley Shipp. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if anybody remembers from the first movie, it, you couldn't really hear Bastion when he screams it uh, because he does name the childlike empress at the end of the movie, and which is the name we can assume is the name of his mother, which is Moonchild, which doesn't come up at all in this film. Uh, even though we do see her in some flashbacks, and she doesn't even like talk to Bastion at one point, you know, in that flashback. But yeah, Moonchild was apparently her name. Okay, I wonder why they made that sound so like weird, like you know, <laughs> yeah, hard to it's hard, hard to hear. Yeah, I don't know because yeah, not a lot of people know that, you, that it's it unless you like read the book. You know what I wonder? I wonder if like test audiences laughed when they when he yelled the name, so they're like, you know, what? we're just gonna cover it with a thunderclap. Yeah. You know, it's a stupid name. It's it a is. Very it's very yeah. It's a very hippy dippy name. Yeah. I mean, clearly this book was written by a hippie. Yes. Uh, all right. The next morning, Bastion returns to Coriander's bookstore. And as I mentioned, Coriander is the uh, bookstore owner who we saw in the very first movie. Jesus, and, I wish I watched the first movie. Is the same actor? Same actor. He's okay, so only, he's the one that reprised the his role. only actor who reprised his role. Um, and, uh, you know, he's honestly, he's not as crotchety in this movie. Honestly, and also his acting level drops big time in this movie too he's not as he's not nearly as good he's doing this one for a paycheck guys <laughs> yeah. this one's a paycheck yeah. uh and we see bastion ends up you know stealing the never-ending story again similar to kind of how he did in the first movie but it's just it comes across weird because at this point he and coriander obviously have a relationship um you know with the when the first movie it was the first time he was meeting him now they obviously know each other and they're kind of they're very friendly and Bastion is just being a little bitch. He's just like, no, I want this book. Yeah. And he just fucking takes it. And, and as someone who hasn't seen The NeverEnding Story, the first one, in a long time, I'm like, I, I again, I don't pick up on the fact that these people are the same ones from the first one. Yeah. So knowing that they are, they talk to each other very weird in this film because <laughs> this film, it seems like they kind of have known each other for maybe like a month or so. Mm-hmm. And, and Bastion's like this cute little kid that's just hanging around. But if they known each other for like a few years at this point, yeah. wouldn't he a trust what Oleander said about the book? Coriander, Coriander. <laughs> wouldn't they a wouldn't Bastion a trust what Rico Lay said about the book? And B, I don't know. Would he really put up that much of a fight again? This movie's so fucking weird. Yeah. It's so I mean, weird. Get, it's it, you know what? Right. It's almost as if the director has never seen the first one. <laughs> oh my god! It's very possible. Well, also, the first movie was based off of the book so there was a beginning end. book by michael enda um and the whole thing was based off of the book this movie is also based off of that book basically just saying like from the characters but this is a full fresh script okay so, so there is no part two book wise in, in our world yeah gotcha yeah because they they didn't credit that if there was so i'm right. assuming there wasn't they just said 
based on the never-ending story book from Michael Enda. It so, makes sense. So I think their part of their problem was they had no base story to go off of. And so there was no checks and balances, and so they just they fucked it up. The second part of the problem is they hired the wrong writers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, But we get, very similar to the first movie, we get this little smile from Coriander as Bastion steals, which is basically kind of how you assumed in the first one even that, okay, at the whole, the entire time, he wanted Bastion to take that book. Of like, course. kind of what he wanted. But in well, the first... when, when he moved a book on the bookshelf and a ray of light landed yeah. <laughs> on the Neverending Story 2 yeah. as if Oleander put it there. Yeah. And that's the problem with this movie is that the first movie has subtlety. Right. There is no subtlety in this movie. And the acting does it, and that ray of light shows it. Like, they lose all of that. Well, it's the problem. first movie was competently made yeah. by professionals. Yeah. This was not. Now, you we're going to shit on this movie a lot, <laughs> and I, I feel like it's okay to add a little bit of, of positivity to, yeah. to the experience. And I got to say that I really enjoy every set. I enjoy every location they go to. Mm-hmm. I liked the bookstore. I think it looks yeah. neat. It had personality to it. I even liked the way it looked on the outside, like how I was on that corner. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I liked how, how, like, how Seattle looked with the rain and, and, the, and the leaves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then even when we go to like further into the movie, I really enjoy all the individual sets. Okay. It's, it's, it's the special effects and everything that sort of is around them <laughs> that is atrocious. Yeah, mostly. I mean, But, I, I, but I like- the sets were imaginative. imaginative and they were fun, yeah. I thought. Okay, I liked the some of the costume design for some of the characters Agreed. as well. Yeah, me too. Most of them. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to each, it. Each, for each character, we'll kind of bring that up. So, all right, ba- Bastion starts kind of going into the into the story. He's able to grab out the Orin, which is the little snake amulet, which kind of has a weird animation that doesn't look good in this movie. A little stop motion-y looking. Yeah, um, but he pulls it out and... Uh, we, he sees that, you know, words have faded from the book. Like, oh, shit, something's going down with the book again. Um, but this time, yeah, it's losing it's losing part of its story. Um, and the book immediately just transports Bastion into Fantasia uh, because they're apparently in grave danger. Like, you know, the book is calling out to him. Um, you can even – he could hear the Childlike Empress calling, the, calling him from the book. And so he needs to, he needs to help Fantasia again. And I imagine his connection is strong because of the first time. Mm-hmm. But again, watching this again, assuming that this is not the same Bastion from the first movie, I'm like, oh, he got there pretty quickly. Yeah, he definitely got there quickly. But I mean, I, he got there quicker than that last kid. Yeah, I'll allow because it's the same kid. He's just he's got a connection with Fantasia. Yeah. He's there. He's their savior. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I got no problem yeah. with that. Uh, so we're in Fantasia. We meet this mistress. Uh, who isn't named at this point, but it's Zaid or Zaida or whatever. I refer to her in my notes as the evil queen the entire time. Yeah, that's pretty much what she is. She's and the and the queen. first time I wrote down, I go, she's 80s hot. Yeah, she is. She's pretty attractive. Um, yeah, acting, not so strong. No, but, and she does a lot of acting with her eyes. Yeah. Her eyes do a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, she, she starts off very, like, unnecessarily, they start her off with no face. Right. There is no reason for that because then they have her put on the face that she never comes back to that. She never takes it off. Never changes face. Yeah. And so it's like, well, why did you do that? Just for shock value at the start? I guess so. Um, But it was was really unnecessary and dumb. Uh, We also meet this character, Nimbly, who is like a, a bird man kind of a thing. I like the look of Nimbly. Nimbly is one of the things that I remember most from this movie. Uh, some of the specific characters. And I honestly, I... I like the voice acting from Nimbly. I like the 
the movements of the bird, other than when it's flying, because then it just looks like obviously it's bad. Cable you can see work. the cord sometimes, the yeah. cables when he <laughs> yeah, lands bad, and goes bad up. Cable yeah. work. But nimbly, as he's walking around, you know, and, and he's talking to Bastion, he looks pretty birdish, and he does a pretty good job. And I think the voice actor did, did a pretty solid job for nimbly. I am one hundred percent same page as you. Nimbly's probably the most interesting character in the mm-hmm. movie at least visually yeah. and the actor who plays him i mean he's he's like he put everything into it Absolutely. all the movement was him the way he talked the way he moved his head yeah. i thought it was i thought it was fantastic yeah. i thought he did a great fucking job and and the costume itself looked good when he wasn't flying and Agreed. thankfully they didn't you know have him fly too much you yeah. know but yeah. the mat the 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 face in particular yeah. looked solid it went very seamlessly from his eyes like you know there was you didn't see any human skin it looked very good like he was a bird in there and he emoted very well from it yeah. I, yeah. I like that character honestly it's probably the best character in the movie yes uh, that actor should keep using that for his real uh no one else in this movie should be using never ending story 2 on their acting reel no no it's it's uh and he was one of the like the four people that actually had a picture on imdb yeah, so go. he's still doing <laughs> stuff go. thank god yeah uh we don't don't buy uh, what jump over Triface. Yeah, exactly. That's I, my next thing I was gonna. I wrote down. Triface. I wrote down the poor man's man e faces from He Man. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> it's very much like that character, except he almost had like a card face kind of thing to him, like different faces from cards or it, whatever. There was a card motif yeah. that was through the Evil Queen or Zenyatta's. Uh, what's her name again? Zenga. <laughs> Zaida. Zaida. There yeah. was a there was a motif in Zaida that had something to do with cards and, and decks of cards, but it never got fully realized or yeah. fleshed out. And I'm just wondering where some of these ideas came from, what mm-hmm. stopped them from happening, and, and where were they going to begin with? Because what we're left with is garbage. So <laughs> you have to admit, but hot steaming garbage. Hot pile of garbage. But again, I will say uh I liked her Lair, I liked her throne room. I thought that was neat looking. Yeah. It, it wasn't terrible. And so, I mean, if I'm grasping at straws here, it's it's the set design is not bad. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you're barely like hanging on to those straws. Man. I know, man, and I don't even pay attention to set design to be honest with you. <laughs> but I'm trying to find something to entertain myself, yeah. dude. I paused it one time and I was like, I'm 20 minutes in, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> no, let me smoke another bowl. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So the main thing about this scene is that the mistress that Zen Zaida, uh, she apparently knows that Bastion's in town or whatever. And she, the whole thing with her is she's created this machine to steal Bastion's memories. Uh, every time he makes a wish using the Orin, she's, she can steal his memories because basically if he doesn't have any memories, he can't do anything. He can't, like, help Fantasia. That way she can take over. The memory machine. Explain it to him, Triface. Oh, yes! Explain it! Every time the Earthling uses Orin to make a wish, my new invention makes him lose a memory. With each wish, the liquid in his head forms a memory ball. It falls down and is collected in the beaker below. What happens when the Earthling has lost all of his memories? Obviously, the beaker at the bottom is full. And the Earthling's head is empty. And he won't remember where he came from. Won't remember his own world. But best of all, he will have forgotten his mission. Why he came to Fantasia. He will have forgotten the childlike empress. 
That's when I'll bring order to the chaos they call dreams and stories. That's her whole thing. She wants to basically she wants to rule the Fantasia. The 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 emptiness, which is the cheap version of the nothing. It is, and it doesn't work. Well, I, doesn't we'll, sound we'll, as good. We'll bring into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, immediately, th- this is part of the problem that I had. Immediately, nimbly, the next cut, you see Bastion on a boat, and nimbly flies to the boat. Like there is no like journey of like okay, the evil thing is coming to get you. Like in that first one, Gamork is hunting down Atreyu, and then Bastion. Like that is part of it and it, it, the, the more and closer he gets it's just like oh fuck it's building up like nimbly has to go find bastion to like guide him and stuff it's a, the next goddamn cut he's already there it's like well that that's kind of lame like there's there's no there's no build, there's up, no build to up to any there's yeah. no build up to anything in this movie no. Tr- truthfully everything is very flat there's no sort of underlying fear um you would think that bastion like losing his memories would be that fear but you don't really at some point, you know, we'll get to it. He starts losing more and more memories, but it doesn't seem to impede his personality. <laughs> so you don't really know uh, what he's losing, bit. you know. But yeah, but I, I'm with you, except for the fact that I mean, at an hour and a half, I'm glad they didn't add any more to yeah. it, yeah. uh, time wise, runtime wise. But I know what you mean. Like nimbly, just was like, okay, I'm there. I will say this: they did put in a line that says everything in Fantasia is near or as far as you need it or want it to be. I have to see the childlike Empress. How far is it to the ivory tower? You mean, uh, how many ways to get there? Uh, no, I mean in distance. Yards, miles, kilometers. <laughs> in Fantasia, everything's as close or as far as you want it to be, Mr. Bastion. So, Nimbly, was, yeah. he knows how the things work. Maybe. He just appears. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did it. Again, I am stretching here, guys. Yeah. I'm trying not to turn this into a complete Ugh. shit fest. So... Uh, and basically, Nimbly's whole job is to coax Bastion into making wishes, trying to like push him into doing more wishes so he can lose his memory faster. So, and then uh, let's yeah. let's let's note the fact that Nimbly cannot land well, <laughs> and yeah. and Bastion is on this small boat surrounded by acid. So why didn't <laughs> Nimbly just wait until Bastion got to the Silver City and kind of just land somewhere where there's a bunch of like ground everywhere? Good, good point. Because he, because he had because he had to explain that the water was acid yeah, for yeah. for later purposes. Yes, which that never come into play. Not really. No. Other than just trying to make this wish at this point. Yeah, exactly. So. But it didn't. Bastion doesn't end up using this wish, which is fine. Or a couple early on, he doesn't. He's not coaxed into it early on. Right. Yeah, it takes him some time. Which I can tell you, if I had a fucking wish machine, I would be using it like boom. immediately. All, I would go through all my wishes in five seconds. Be, boom, 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 the boom, first boom. Wish would fix Fantasia. Boom. I done. End of movie. <laughs> done. That's it. That's all, that's all you need. <laughs> Done. But uh, we get to Silver City, and Bastion. We see a lot of like weird masquerade kind of people. It looked like something out of uh, what's that? What's that uh, movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman? The oh, Moulin one. Rouge. No, no, no. The sex movie. Oh, oh uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide yeah, Shut. It yeah. looks very more a more clothed version. More of colorful. Eyes Wide yeah, Shut. Eyes Wide well, Shut. More clothed. Yes. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have more clothes on. Yeah. But it looked. That, that's kind of what look, Silver City reminded me of. At least like what the character design was. Uh, and basically, he wants to go to the ivory tower um, to go see the childlike empress who is in trouble right now. And then all of a sudden, we get these attacks from these weird crab-like things, which these crab creatures, 
Uh, they call them just giants. That's they call what, them giants, but yeah. they look like beetles if you sort of stand them up on their yeah. hind legs. Yeah. These were, these were another thing that kind of popped into my memory that I remember specifically from this movie really well. Like, they were kind of like, you know, the the, the minions that would come and attack on things. Um, they, they reminded me a lot of just other creatures. I can't remember. Um, uh, from from the Dark Crystal. Remember there were yeah, giant yeah, beetle things? They things. looked better than these did. Yeah, definitely. They're... These were kind of scary. I'm not yeah. going to lie, especially for a kid. They the, were, the they close-ups looked... of their face yeah. when they were chomping, mm-hmm. they kind of looked like almost yeah, lobstery kind of faces with that. But yeah, they, or bat, even they had a mix of like bat faces with, with beetle backs. Yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> I, dude, yeah. honestly, they... They were not terrible designs. The, the mobility of them was was not ideal. They couldn't really do much, and they just sort of walked around. But as far as like design goes, they were kind of cool. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's fine. That would give me, you know, that scare me as a kid, yes. probably. And I, I mean, I think one of the things I remember most, yeah, that I do remember those guys, and I remember that they had these little like little hand things, like a little turn into like a little buzzsaw or a little sickle that Bastion calls it, and they kind of like chop, like they can like, cut ropes or cut things with it. And I just remember it like. I remember that's one of the few things I remember from this movie. I don't remember the plot of this movie very much, but I remember like, oh, I remember Nibbly look cool. Oh, I remember these villain crabby things. Yeah. That's about it. But they chase Bastion. He eventually gets away with Nibbly's help on, uh, you know, to climb a rope. Um, and then he just weirdly falls down this like trap door, and we get a very unnecessary, weird, coincidental scene where he's just talking to these. What the fuck are they? All right, so there's they a mud it... guy, there's a volcano guy, there's this wind woman, and then there's this like opera lady who's playing harp. The mud guy looked like poop. He looked <laughs> like a mountain of shit for reals, and I wrote that down. Uh-huh. And I, I I forgot what they said. The name it, it's like the the boat of the secret conspiracies, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. But like it seemed un, it was completely unnecessary. It was stupid coincidental right like it, it just oh and by the way they have the power to just summon uh not summon the childlike empress but you can talk to her right through these powers like well what the fuck like this is it just was a little too convenient for me storyline so it was just a way for them to communicate for 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 the writers and the director to get the to get bastion to communicate to the childlike empress yes. and kind of get him on his path and they're like, well, how do you communicate with her? Yeah, okay. I the only thing good to come out of that scene was uh, one lady with like the hair and the wind blowing was kind of neat looking. Yeah. But I wrote down in, in when when she's are we going to talk about the childlike emperor talking to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says some, I wrote it down and it's she says Bastion, you're my last hope. I mean, like via transmission, that was Star Wars. Like, yeah. oh, you know, you're my yes. only hope. Yes. Like, it, it sounded like Star Wars. I was like, you guys, yeah. come on here. It was. I mean, probably trying to rip that off. Uh, but the thing that pissed me off maybe the most of that discussion is we keep calling her the childlike empress, but in the last fucking movie, she gets a name. That is the entire main plot of the movie is he has to name her. At the end, she's fucking crying, saying, what's my name? Call my name. <laughs> and then he screams out, fucking Moonchild. Yeah. This movie, they just call her the childlike empress again. Her name is fucking Moonchild. Call her Moonchild. Well, I mean, the queen is Queen Elizabeth, but you call her the queen, right? No, shut up. That's, that's, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. That's stupid. You're right. I take it back. I'm not adding logic to this movie. <laughs> You're right. But that just that just bothered me. Uh, but now she's got a mission exactly, you know, help me, Bastion. You're my only hope. You have to name this force. Again, so he has to name something uh, and from and basically help them from it taking over Fantasia. 
And uh, so that way the real world doesn't forget about them. Similar enough plot to why the nothing of was going to take over. Of course. It, it's, it's, it is. The way you've put it before, the emptiness is a dumber name than the nothing. Uh, also, the empty, the nothing was it's, – it's its own separate kind of entity and it had – Gamork, who was the power behind the nothing, or the servant behind the power behind the nothing, or whatever. Uh, in this one, the emptiness is just the mistress, is just Zaida. Like, there's no, there was no greater thing than than that, or than her. And so, it seemed a lot less grand, a lot less villainous. How did she no become so powerful? It. How did she, like, how yeah. did this happen? Well, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, if, if Fantasia is the land of imagination, there's villains, there's good and bad, yeah. all imagination. I think that that, that part didn't bother me. Um, it just—it seems like it, it, she was left unchecked. Like something well, should have kept her true. in in check. But yeah, I, whatever. That's nitpicking. Yeah, uh, we're gonna cut back to the real world, and the dad sees the never-ending story book, um, and he sees that there's a tag inside that says this is from Coriander's bookshop, and so okay, he's gonna head over there. Uh, we go back to Bastion who tries to get the people of Silver City to help him, uh, and in comes Atreyu. Just happenstance. hey He happens to be in Silver City. The lesser Atreyu. He, doesn't, he doesn't look nearly as good. He looks very kiddish, and I'm sure they couldn't cast the last guy because he hit puberty, and he looks more, more like <laughs> yeah, a man. I mean, would you say it was six-year difference? Or like yeah, five, probably yeah. five years with that, you know, filming. Yeah, so yeah, if, yeah. That, if that dude we, was like 12 before, he's 17 now. Yeah, he's yeah. got a full beard. So they had <laughs> they had to get somebody different. But this Atreyu, he doesn't look as badass. He doesn't no, act as badass. No. He's, again, the lesser and Atreyu. He's, and he's shorter than Atreyu. He doesn't look like... Even though the last, even though the last Atreyu didn't really look like a hunter, and that was the whole thing because he was like this boy... This guy looks even less of a hunter and even less, like, legitimate. Less effectual. Yeah. I just, yeah. And yeah. he didn't do anything in this movie at all. No, you don't You don't see him really being badass. Like, not once. Mm-mm. And the last Atreyu, you do. Yeah. Because it's Atreyu, it's partly really Atreyu's journey that you're seeing, you know, that's what Bastion's reading. Yeah. Uh, and this one, it's Bastion's on it, and then Atreyu's just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's, that that was much better. I've, I liked Atreyu's journey much more than Bastion. Absolutely, it, it's, there's a lot more perils in that one. Uh, this one, there just there's not. Oh, he has this thing he can just make make wishes and fix anything that he wants. In question, is that the same horse in theory as the first one? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like, did they actually get the no, same no, horse? No, the, no. I'm time? sure they killed the first one in the mud thing for yeah. real. <sighs> that poor, that poor horse. Uh, God, that scene haunts me, man. I, I, know. I love and hate that scene me because too. of what it's done to me. But it's so good. Um, yes, it's still Artex. And you even hear him say Artex later on in the movie I, well, because he gets he, on it. He did say it. And I, I know. And I'm like, okay, so did Artex come back in the first it movie? Did. Oh, At the it very did end. after. After, after oh, Bastion okay. fixed Fantasia, okay. you see uh, Atreyu riding Artex, Artex again. Okay. So he made everything right. Everything Got went it. back to Got normal. Because the nothing like swept up everybody. It swept up the fucking right. rock biter. And everybody's back by the end of it. So, yeah. Uh must be nice to live in a world where there's no lasting stakes. Yeah, yeah. it's like living in Marvel Comics. There you go. <laughs> you see, doesn't matter. You're dead. They just come back. They whatever. just come back. It's okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. So their whole mission is they have to go to this hand castle, apparently. Apparently they, they know that's where the main villain is. And then the design of that hand castle looked okay. 
Yeah, it was that. That was fine. I like all the miniatures they use for for the sets. Yeah. Um, for like the exteriors, they use a lot of miniatures. And as someone who's a fan of that in movies, I, it was nice to see. Yeah. You know, nowadays that would all be CGI. Oh yeah, the camera can like spin around, but back then they had to actually build it, which is cool. I like that stuff. Yeah, uh, and to help them on their journey, Bastion makes his first wish, and he wishes for the biggest, most ugliest dragon. Uh, and in my head, I'm just like, oh shit, he's gonna like get Falcor on here. But no, he he instead of wishing for Falcor, something he knows is super effective and a badass luck dragon, uh, he's like, no, I want this fire breathing dragon that he wishes and it comes true, and then it starts fucking running amok. I need something, something that can fly and that can scare the pants off of anything that's living in that castle. <laughs> Very sensible. I wish for the most horrible flying dragon in the history of Fantasia. I wish him to be red. No, no, green. I wish him to fly as fast as the Concorde and stinks so bad that he makes you sick. He breathes fire. I'll call him Smurg. <laughs> Maybe you should wish for some modifications. And then, oh, by the way, Falcor just happens to be there as well. And then Bastion hops on Falcor, and they have to go hunt down this dragon, which the dragon looked awful. It was a terrible-looking designing dragon. Uh, it, it looked like a five-year-old designed yeah. that thing. It was... <laughs> yeah. It was. And, and this is the start of Bastion being probably one of the dumbest characters I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a movie, especially with what he thinks he should be wishing for. Mm-hmm. I wrote down here, just wish for Falcor. What, what the yeah, fuck's wrong? Exactly. And the fact that Falcor's there, you wasted a wish yes. completely. <laughs> yeah, he knows Falcor. He can trust Falcor. Yeah. Why Why yeah. get this other dragon? You know a dragon. You know a badass dragon. Fucking A. Oh, my God. It's, yeah, he is, he is awful. Uh, but, and then the chase that they do. Yeah, the chase looks really bad. The green skin looks bad. The... The stop motion on the dragon looks really rough. Well, his wings don't even flap. No. I mean, I guess I guess Falcor does. I mean, but at the yeah, same Falcor, time, but it's Falcor's just like, like yeah, he, like, he's like a snake almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the dragon that he creates is just terrible. It is. And the way that they finish him off is terrible because they just fly by the hand castle and the hand castle zaps him. Right. And that's it. That's it. And they didn't have to do anything. Yeah, Falcor's like, well, that's done. Let's head back. And Bastion's like, great. That, that worked out wonderful <laughs> yeah. for everyone involved. It, 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 it sets up the danger of the hand castle laser. Which really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. At it all. <laughs> because, because this is the worst movie ever. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rough. Um, so they finish that. They go. They fly by Rockbiter, and so, hey, we gotta meet Rockbiter, who Rockbiter, again, uh, not voiced, or not voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, like in the original, and it's very obvious to me, um, you know, you get that really good voice in the first movie, and some Mm -hmm. really good speeches, and you get some good depth in a lot of characters because of, like, the nothing and the dangers that they're dealing with. You get none of that here. There's absolutely nothing, but what you do get (laughs) is a fucking nightmare that is Rockbiter's baby. I wrote I, I had to, I paused the movie to write in all caps I fucking hate Rockbiter's yeah. baby just so I remember that. Yeah, I remember the baby for sure uh, and I remember hating the baby. It's, it's horrific. It looks bad. I mean, it looks very much like a real human baby just made out of just like not even made up, just like colored rock color with an oversized head. Yeah. 
that it, doesn't change. So it looks like Tosh.0 when he wears that baby mask and dances <laughs> yeah. around naked, oh, but like fatter. It's it's as disturbing. Yeah, it, which it doesn't it doesn't look anything like it'll grow up to be a rock biter. Uh, it's weird. Also, where's the mom? I mean, I, I'm very curious about. Rockbiter and, and, and that species. Uh, how they reproduce. How they reproduce. I'm yeah. really curious about it right now. <laughs> I think he just shat him out, bro. I think he literally just shat him out. It, he didn't look like it. He, was, he, he looked a little... like a fucking turd, man. <laughs> this movie's a fucking turd. <laughs> so, uh, But we don't get uh, those other characters. We don't get the bat character from the first movie. We don't get... Um, you know that that the snail rider, you know, and and, and that was a uh, deep Roy, right? Yeah, that was yeah. deep Roy, exactly. So they they just, I guess, just because I loved all those they, dudes in the original. They felt like like the Star Wars bounty hunters. Like I liked how they like had different, like there were different species. Yeah. They all had different stuff, and they didn't do as much in the first movie. But I still thought they were really cool, and I really enjoyed them. And just seeing Rockbiter here. It almost makes you wish you just didn't even see Rockbiter. Yeah. Like, just leave him be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the only bit of information he gives is that everything is becoming hollow and empty. Yes. That's where is... you learn that something is sort of happening. Well, you already yeah. knew something was happening, but now you sort of learn maybe what it is or get an idea of what it is. Yeah. Where before, like, things were all turning into nothing and he was just losing stuff that way. Here, it's all, everything is empty. And so right, it looks it. like it exists, like, so rocks or something, yes. but they crumble like, you know, glass, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they have no flavor, no anything. Yeah, no su- no substance so to I find them. it, I guess, I guess it's not all that weird, but I find it a little weird that he is a rock batter. He's a big old thing made of rocks and he only does this eat rocks. But I don't know. I mean, I made so he's eating himself? I don't know, but we're flesh, and we eat other things' flesh. Right, so yeah. I, yeah. Oh, that's a deep hole, buddy. Yeah. We, can, we can go down this hole if you want. I'm okay no, with that. We, right. we may want to drop some acid first, but I'll go. <laughs> so, uh, now we cut to the mistress, uh, this Zaid, and she sees a memory. You know, uh, she I guess that, that memory that was stolen from when Bastion created a dragon. Uh, and we see the time. I see a time where he and his dad was fighting. Um, just you know, also more set up that Bastion and his dad are you know not haven't been doing well for a while, very likely. Um, and I have to call out that even though it was uh, completely obvious. That is, this was a taken memory. Like this was, this was one hundred percent. You see that, and me as a film person, I know what it is. At the end of that scene, nimbly says, "That's a memory Bastion has lost." It's yes. like, yeah, no fucking duh. Yeah. We that has been explained to us. And then they, and then they t- do the be- the worst fucking thing in screenwriting is they tell the audience everything that's one thing i hate more than anything is when you explain to me what just happened it's almost as bad as if you know like sometimes in the movie like at the climax you'll see a flashback of stuff that happened previous in the movie that that was obviously you know applicable i'm like so do you think that i just didn't pay attention i don't need flashbacks i'm paying attention to the fucking movie to me like in in mortal Kombat, when you have katana come in be like remember what i said about the element of life literally and watched the scene before and it was the scene before (laughs) i think we all understood what happened with the memory there but i guess it's it's technically a kid's movie so they had to kind of throw that in there but yeah i was like what what did he just say that? Yeah, it's part of the problem is even though the never ending story, the original was a kid's movie 
It didn't pander. Exactly, yes, yeah. This one panders. And, and that's the thing. What I think kid movies, obviously this one has a bunch of problems, but I think in the long run, kid movies that have legs, that have lasting appeal, that you can go back and rewatch when you get older, are the ones that don't pander to you. Yeah. The ones that don't explain everything out. And obviously it's always nice when they throw like adult humor in so you get it. But truthfully, I think people underestimate how smart kids are and how perceptive they are when they're actually engaged in watching something. If you make a movie that's engaging, that makes them want to watch it, you won't have to fucking explain shit. But you make a movie like this that's garbage, you gotta explain everything. they knew it. They they knew what was going on. And they're like, well, kids aren't gonna pay attention to this, so let's just make sure that they know what's going on. Yes, exactly. Uh, We cut back to the real world, and the dad has gone to Coriander's. Um, There's just some funky shit going on with the book. It's, you know, the address and the name of Coriander that was in there before is no longer in there. And the dad's upset. Literally, legitimately, the dad is upset because he can't find his son. His son is lost. And Coriander, just being a little bit of a dick, he's like, hey, just, how about you just read that book? Instead of going out and looking for your son, just read a book. Like, if I was the dad, I would be pissed. I'd be like... Fuck you, you fucking bitch. Like, yeah. my son is missing. I have to find him. This I'm, is a real problem, not a fucking <laughs> book problem, okay? You fucking nerd. It's awful. And I'm, what am I going to read? A 500-page fucking book, man? You know how long that'll exactly. take me? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to gloss over this, but he says it multiple times, and I think it's fucking terrible. And But at the same time, I want a catchphrase of my own. He goes, I'm an engineer. What I see is what I see. What I see. Some bullshit like when that. When I see it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he says it multiple times as if this was like his catchphrase that he says yeah yeah he, he only believes in what he sees it in logic or not even just logic but like if his, if he see, if he sees it then that's what it is for him and that's it right he doesn't i guess but at the same time why didn't he say to coriander why didn't he yeah. say i'm an engineer i i like, he says this catchphrase yeah, like, like multiple times it. to multiple people yeah. and people are like are you crazy like why are you just saying catchphrases to me now <laughs> really fucking weird it is uh, but but again, I think it's because they had to really ham fist everything mm-hmm. and kind of push it forward. They didn't have time to develop his character. He's not in it that much. So they're like, look, you have to understand that he's an engineer. What is the most visual career you could possibly think of where their minds are so structured and so rigid? An engineer. He's yeah. an engineer. But I would I would understand that if this movie was rushed out like the next year and right. if it was shot if it was put out like five the very years. next year yeah this has been at least five six years people had time to think about it people yes. had time to like let the first one sort of sink in yeah i really think they didn't watch the first one no, at no all way. no way <laughs> so uh we cut back to fantasia and atreyu was caught up uh and he's got uh, something just something in his bag that he was trying to help with the castle that, that will help them fight. That's that's all that really is set up. Um, we cut back to we cut to Nimbly and Nimbly is looking at a memory and this time we see the, a memory of the mother and this is the time that that the mother has given Bastion his sweater that shitty sweater. Yeah. So dude, at least at least tied that in together and kind of gave that a little loop and I was like okay that's okay writing right there. Uh, we at least see. Bastion, who has apparently now lost that memory, um, but we see it as like, okay, now I'm getting it. That shitty, that shitty, shitty sweater. But you know what would have made more sense to me is mm. if he was wearing that sweater in, yeah. like, as some sort of like thing. Yeah. And then what if it came back like that sweater's actually armor, like it can protect him because mm. it's got love in it. But the sweater's gone; he doesn't yeah. have it anymore, it and t- it never t- really gets called back again. And that would have been interesting because they do tie in the mother, kind of like. To the Neverending story in a couple ways. One with the Moonchild name that you, from the last movie, but also like she apparently says to him before she like her dying words are 
oh, we're all part of a greater never-ending story or something like that. And it's like, well, shit. So she obviously has something to do with this book, uh, or at least like they're, they're making those kind of connections. So that would have been interesting if she was a greater part of it, or if it had been found out that like she had read the book and she had been, you know, part yeah, of it. She like, was like she was a part of this whole experience beforehand yeah. and it's some kind of like hereditary type of thing. Yeah, yeah, Not exactly. like the hereditary well, movie, but, like, but. <laughs> well, same kind of thing with like the toy stories. Like, okay, yeah. it was Andy's kids and now it's going to be these new these girls' kids or girls' dolls or whatever, their toys. Like, same kind of thing. Like, oh, this was his mother's book and she she saved Fantasia when she was a kid and now Bastion's going through the same kind of thing. Jesus, that man, that been, would. <laughs> that's such a much more interesting story. And honestly, it would be cool if like they just did that movie instead, like a prequel, and it yeah. was like Bastion. Bastion's mom. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. By the way, did she have an accent when she talked to him? I don't remember. She had. She was like not English uh, or not well, American accent. Was, I mean, the movie is. I mean, at least the first movie, and I do believe this partly. This one was produced and financed by uh, a German company. And oh, is, very, it's a very. It was shot in Germany. At least the first movie, I believe, was mostly shot in Germany. This one might have been as well. I so, think. Well, I think this one was shot in San Francisco. Uh, the exteriors, maybe, maybe. But you know that that makes sense because the first movie did have an otherworldly feel to it yeah. that that I kind of had a hard time connecting to as a kid. And I think it was because I could tell that it wasn't you know like sort of shot in America. But yeah. at, now, as I get older, I like that juxtaposition. I like when things have a different vibe to them than what you think they're going to. Mm-hmm. So I think it works well. Um, but her, his mom's accent threw me off and I was like, okay, I'm trying to figure that out. Where are you from? What's the backstory here? You know, yep. not that any of it fucking matters. No, nah, no, it doesn't matter one bit. Uh, and so Bastion and Atreyu kind of sneak into the, to the hand castle. Uh, at one point, Bastion gets shot by the lasers, which really doesn't, it, it takes, it, it blew up the dragon like in one fucking instant and in for Bastion, it kind of like sits on him for a while and he just like, well, it sort of focuses and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, And, and worst stealth mission ever. I mean, Bastion gets caught instantaneously, although it was Atreyu's fault because Atreyu goes, Hey, come on, come over here now, like run now. And then Bastion just does it and then gets sucked right into a laser beam. Yeah. Does nothing. Worst (laughs) stealth mission ever. But the Orin saves him or basically Atreyu uses the Orin to kind of bounce back the laser and it blows up all of the lasers. Creates a feedback loop, pops them all. Boom, there you go. Yep. And then, of course, the Queen's like, wait a minute, what's going on out there? Something must be happening. Yes. So she sends out the crab giants to go fight them. Uh, and here we see, which another another memorable little like characters to me. Even though I thought I thought they were utilized more in the movie, they were just for this one little scene. Uh, Bastion has these eggs that he sets out, and they're just little like toy fighters, and that's it. And then and then they go off to fight uh, Atreyu, and the little toy things fight the crabs while Bastion kind of goes around to get into the. It's, yeah, it's like a distraction it thing, is. and in the toy things, I, I got the sense that they're sentient, they're alive, yeah. and even Atreus like it's a good day to die. Yeah. So those guys are all yeah. just it's a suicide mission for yeah. them, and it was a cool concept. Obviously, they just made them little toys that moved around, but I want to think that they pr- wanted them to be like little living creatures that were like like troll type yeah, of things. That been nicer if they did that, but yeah, like, like brownies like, or something. But they're no, wind up toys. Yeah, they're they, essentially uh, just wind up toys that yeah. kind of just you know. Things up. Kind of reminded me of the movie Toys. I love yeah. that. I, the, oh, the, the sta- yeah. No. Oh, I was thinking of the one uh, with 
the little action figures that were alive. Small soldiers. Small soldiers. Stan Winston did that yes, movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've never not... ever seen that movie. Okay. It's, it's not bad. I actually quite liked it when I was younger. Are you guys going to do it on Absolutely. Here? Nice. It's on our list. Nice. I actually look forward to that. As That's is the cool. Robin Williams movie, uh, Toys, which I liked quite I've a bit. never seen that one. That's the one on the picture. On the He had the hole in his hat. Yeah. 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 He's got like the, the round, like kind of derby yeah. looking hat. Yeah. It's good. Joan Cusack's in that as well. Uh, it's it's a damn good movie. Okay, Actually, I cool. think it has a lot more depth than um, you know probably what kids understood at the time. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bastion is trying to get into the Hand Castle, and here, oh my God, his, his use of his wishes pissed me yeah. off so fucking much. Yes, I wrote this down too. And so he's trying to climb up this finger, and he's like, "Oh, I got to find a way in." And he's using wishes, and instead of just, "I wish I'm up at the top of the castle." He goes, I'm wishing for steps, and he wishes, I wish for a step, and another step, and another step, and each fucking step is a wish, and he loses a goddamn memory every time. I wish for another step! And another one! And another! And another one! Nice. Very nice. But just, that... Even if you don't know that part, just the fact of using and wishing for one step each time is idiotic. But the weird thing is he didn't have to do that at first. So he wished for steps or like a way yeah. up to the top. Then the wish just decided to stop. Yeah. You know, I don't know if the, 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 the queen was controlling it. The evil lady mm-hmm. was controlling the wish. But yeah, it, it didn't. It just stopped, which is like, okay, the wish is... Is sort of an autonomous thing. It mm-hmm. just happens to have this negative effect. But why would it just randomly stop? And then at yeah. that point, I said, "Why didn't you just wish for an elevator yeah. or like a door right in there? You know, just yeah. go through." I'm, I'm with you, dude. That was like that was so stupid. I wrote down, "Bastion is the worst wish maker ever. He, is. he has he is. no idea how He's to use a wish. Idiot, idiot, lame brain." Uh, but he gets in eventually. Uh, apparently, find out Atreyu was captured and. He was apparently captured, and there's no, like, real much of a journey to go find him and get him to escape. He's just dangling from, like, in the staircase room, uh, and Bastion happens to find him there. And luckily, you know, Bastion kind of pulls him out, and there's the crab giants that are trying to get him. It's an unnecessary scene. Like, why would you even... I don't know. I just... I didn't... This whole movie's full of unnecessary scenes. But, I'm dude, I'm with you. It's like... Like half of the movie could have been them in the castle doing cool adventures, and it's yeah. it's just like you're in and out, you're in and out yep. everywhere. He could, I mean, exactly, it could have been a whole fun thing of him. He has, he has to go save Atreyu, who Atreyu is the big warrior, but instead, it, yeah, he at least could have him. been like a ten minute build up or something. Yes, he basically finds him just right away, yep. just dangling there. Yeah, and another awful wish. You know, he has to fight these crab giants, and he asks for a fucking spray can. Like that's a weapon. I mean, there's a whole joke in it of Atreyu saying. Oh, this is a weapon in your world? I'm like, no, it's not. And Bastion's an idiot. Ask for a fucking AK-47 or something. Or just wish that they're gone. Or wish that they're gone. Exactly. How hard is that? I wish that all these giant creatures things are now floating over that pit hole and then they drop. Wish done. It could be two drips, two wishes, fine. But still, that's better. And he wishes for a spray can. His arms don't even reach up. He has to jump. He has to get within, like, harm's way. Like, like those sickle things can easily kill him. Those giant creatures are the most ineffectual monsters ever. They can't do anything. That's awful. Uh, And at this point, uh, so he... He gets away from the giants, and then he kind of like realizes oh, the giant. One of the giants was like full of emptiness. It was just it was like kind of hollow. I think and they all are. They all are, yeah, yeah. But he. This is when he like finally realizes. Oh, 
this big evil is called the emptiness. Terrible name, as we talked about. And there's even nothing grand about it because the emptiness, that's really the end of it, of, of the emptiness being a quote-unquote villain. It immediately becomes, it's, we know it's Zaid, like yeah. Zaida or whatever. She is the villain, and it's not like the greaterness of the emptiness. It's just like, all right, got to beat her instead of, you know, where with the first one, like the nothing, fucking the nothing was, well, shit, you can't stop that shit. No, you know. Nothing can stop yeah. the nothing. It it's was, terrifying. I still have nightmares about the nothing. Yeah. That freaked me out as a kid. Yeah, Gamork. Gamork freaked me out. Like, that that wolf character was so... Oh, he was fantastic. And, I yeah, loved him. Alan Oppenheimer's voice is so missed in this film because you don't get it with Falcor. You don't get it with Rockbiter. And it's... you. you it, it makes me just sad because, like, he added so many elements and so much depth to that first movie yeah. that this... One, obviously, if the writing doesn't add any depth to it, but, like, the lack of strong voice acting... Well, it just goes to show that not anyone can do that and why Alan Oppenheimer's uh, a god in the industry. So, Bastion and Atreyu get to Zaida, um, and then we also see the dad is driving... Uh, with you know, back in the real world, and the car, the the book kind of happens to open up to a page, and he almost crashes, but he sees that oh my god, the book says Bastion's name in it, and he's you know basically it's going to get him to read it. So now we're kind of tying in. All right, he is going to be that real world connection, exactly like Bastion was in the first movie. Um, we see we're seeing pretty early on. There's not much to me. There's not much buildup of the mistress entrancing. Bastion, like, he pretty much immediately starts talking to her and listening to her and immediately is, like, trusting her, uh, where, as opposed to, like, there's not, you know, there should be, like, a, all right, she's this evil person and we've captured her. Okay, but let's just say, do you blame him? He's, like, 12, 13 years old. <laughs> she's 80s hot. Yeah. And she's, like, she's got cleavage. She's sure she's giving him attention. Yeah. Dude, I would... I would have boned the shit out of her. I'd be like, Atreyu, it's over, buddy. This is it. This is where I belong. I'm having crazy sex with this evil lady. Yeah. I'm, I'm, dude, this is it. This is where I've always meant that's, to be. If, oh my God, if you, if 12 year old Corey was in Fantasia with that Orin, he just, would have been like, just, Zaida's uh, yeah. clothes off. Go off, off, <laughs> off. Poor. Uh, oh, our, our imaginations would have been fucked. <laughs> dude, dude, I'm telling you, man, I would have fucking run wild yeah, in there. Well, but I guess that's why I never got the power, right? Yeah, <laughs> like instant abuse. Yes. Uh, we see, we get a little setup of an invisibility belt um, that, you know, he kind of, that, Bast- that she has Bastion put on, uh, which at least luckily I was, I thought it was not going to come back. I was like, oh my God, is this thing actually going to come back or not? Which it luckily does in a, in a few more minutes. And, and I liked how it was initially handled because he freaks out. Because when you think about it, if all of a sudden you're invisible and you can't see your hands, question is, can you even close your eyes? Because your eyelids are now invisible. So can you even like not see? Deep like, fuck, he, dude, dude, he, he. Honestly, that was probably a really well-acted reaction because he freaks the fuck out. And I would, too. All yeah. of us would. But he doesn't even, like, try to use the belt to, like, because it has a well, little switch. Dude, no. I, 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 am, I am behind the director on this one. Okay. I would freak out. I wouldn't know where the fuck yeah. belt was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would give me the fuck out of this thing. So, so he just wishes to become yeah. seen again, basically. So, I mean, she, right now, she is really pushing him to use wish after wish after yeah. wish. So, uh, you know, Nimbly really hasn't done shit. 
Did but. did we address what they said? If he loses all of, I know he will forget everything, and then just he. So basically, he just will become no longer the hero. Like there's yeah. no way that he can fight he, it exactly at that point. Thing. So would he just be like walking around going, "What's happening?" Right? Okay. All right. Yeah, because if he has no memory of anything, then it's so it's like Alzheimer's. So yeah. do you forget then how to breathe and everything? And I guess you yeah. just die. That's, there's some dark <laughs> shit in this movie, man. For well, realsies, I mean that stuff. You know, that's that's a different kind of memory. I don't know. <laughs> he just shits I mean, himself and yeah. falls over. In <laughs> <laughs> a tray, he was like, "Well, that's you it. Know, it's over." <laughs> probably would have been better for the movie because I heard I know they have another one, and so if he just if he just shat himself and died, then they wouldn't have made the third one, which I'm sure is even worse, which I haven't seen. There's a part three. There's a part three. Did it come straight to video? Oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this one was theatrical, but. I, I there's no way the other one. Jesus, I don't even recall a part three existing. Yeah, I never saw it. And okay, so, uh, it's a it's it'll be a long time before we decide to actually do this. We have a bunch on our list to get to before <laughs> before that. Please don't make me do to that one sequel. too. This is our <laughs> sequel show to the sequel show. Uh, hey, Corey's killed himself, so we got somebody else. Yeah. He shot himself and killed over. <laughs> yeah. He didn't remember how to live. He didn't remember how to exist anymore. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, Atreyu kind of notices at this point that. They're kind of going in circles because Zaida is uh, kind of leading them to the ivory tower. She's kind of coaxed Bastion into, you know, believing. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think we kind of skipped something. So she hmm. says she'll take them to the ivory yeah. tower. So right there, yeah. it's like she easily sort of like gives in to Bastion. And yeah. she's like, I'll take you there. But of course, Atreyu is kind of like uh, side eyeing it. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. she's leading him on this like horseless carriage that looks like a like almost like a. Like a flower that's kind of, you know, not bloomed yet, yeah, I guess. It, it, yeah, exactly. They kind of like stole it, I think, particularly from like an old um, Cinderella, yeah. uh, you know, set or something. Yeah, it does look like something out of Cinderella. Yeah, and so, essentially, uh, they just go are going in circles. Like, she's just buying time yeah, she's buying while time. she's fucking with Bastion exactly. and maybe fucking Bastion. May- no, it's, get, get out of your fucking head, you sick Bastion. This is a dude, kid's movie. Dude, I wanted to bang her so this bad. This is a kid's <laughs> movie, you sick fuck. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, she keeps she keeps pushing Bastion to make the wishes, and um, Atreyu ends up seeing one of the memory memory balls that Nimbly has because the machine is at like the top of her little carriage, and so she's like keeps stealing those fucking memory balls or those memories, and Nimbly's watching it. Atreyu ends up seeing it. Uh, which has it's a memory of his dying mother, and so she's in you know the hospital, and she kind of this is where I think she brings up the never-ending story tie-in. And isn't it convenient that Atreyu sees like the most meaningful memory? Yeah. It's not a memory of Bastion taking a shit or something. <laughs> which you got to yeah, figure I some do. of those are like yeah. probably got to be shit in memories. I remember a couple really good. Shit. I know, me too, dude. I, I, do, I remember this actually not not a shit, but a good like the greatest pee I ever had in my life was in downtown Los Angeles and me and some other buddies were trying to get into this club and we all just could not we, we all three of us had to pee like crazy and so we found this alley and and literally all three of us like just picked a different corner of the alley and it was the greatest pee all three of us it's like a collective memory that we all share of the greatest pee of our entire lives because we just we couldn't hold it anymore and then we could get back into line to get into the club it was fantastic and then we do a, a slam cut to a homeless person getting washed away <laughs> by this fucking sea of urine no you're fucked up. You are fucked up. But yeah, there's some of those memories in there too. <laughs> For sure. But uh, we also see, you know, Nimbly here has a little bit of a heart because he's crying. You know, this this obviously sad memory does affect him. And so, you know, 
it does show that he might be a salvageable character. You know, he's not all bad. I think I, mean, I think we got the sense of that from the beginning. Even that he wasn't, on, yeah. yeah, the the worst out there. Yep, um, he was no Triface. No, he <laughs> was really. There's not much depth with Triface. You would think there should be because he's got three different faces. You know, he could have all three of the faces acted the exact same way, talked the same way. What a they, missed opportunity! One of them just had a stash, the other didn't, or some. But like they. Exactly, they could have been very different yeah. personalities, but they weren't. Triface could have been uh, Triface could have been the main antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. And what if one of his faces actually was good? Like, mm-hmm. and he was like, mm-hmm. and they had two faces that had to fight off the one good face, yeah. and he winds up just ripping out the eyes of the good one. <laughs> like, dude, that's a better fucking movie, and I'm coming yes. up with it right here. Yes, that, that fuck this a, movie, maybe man. not. Maybe, maybe they could have trapped his face, but not. It's a kids' movie. Rah, rip his eyes out. <laughs> Uh, but so Bastion, or so sorry, so uh, Treyu goes over to Falcor, and he's I'm all, fucking all your shit up, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. So Atreyu and Falcor are talking about, you know, oh shit, this is fucked up. You know, this uh, this Zaid is stealing his memories, and stuff's not good. If Bastion's so clever, why can't he see what's happening to him? Bastion is losing himself with every wish. We must be stopped. Or Fantasia is lost. I'll take Orin away from him. By force, if necessary. He can't be allowed to make one more wish. I'll have to do it tonight. Tomorrow we might all be prisoners of Zaida. Uh, happens to be at the same time. Bastion has the invisibility belt on to kind of spy on Atreyu, who at the same time, Zaid has kind of been poking at him like, you can't trust this Atreyu guy. He's sketchy. Like, he, he's jealous of you. He's jealous that you have the, you have the Orin, you know, and all this kind of shit. You know, he, she's trying to rip them apart and their friendship. Uh, and so now that Atreyu... Like Bastion, bitches do. Like, <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Uh, and... Basically, they get ripped apart because he he overhears at the wrong time, you know what Bastion's saying. Like he he needs to take the Orin from um a tra- or from Bastion, and and so all this kind of shit. And so uh, this so next Bastion confronts Atreyu and uh, tells him, and Atreyu tries to tell him like, no, this bitch is stealing your fucking wishes, man, or stealing your memories uh, with each wish you do, and that she's evil. And they end up fighting over the Orin uh, and. Bastion throws Atreyu down a fucking, like, rock cliff. Like, what a, what a little shit. But also, like, Atreyu, you're supposed to be a badass hunter. Like, how come you can't beat up Atre- a beat up Bastion? I-, I wrote down in my notes, Atreyu is a terrible warrior. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just gets thrown down the mountain. That's it. Which I guess you could say, okay, he didn't want to hurt his friend. He yeah. he had more control over, over, over his faculties. But... You know, yeah, he was fucking trying, he was defend to, yourself, bro. He's trying to not hurt Bastion. Yeah. Let's say he was just trying to get help his friend and get but, the. But Orin again, off. like knowing the Atreyu from the first movie, dude, this is such yeah. like a letdown compared to it. He does not only is the actor somehow lesser, but like he, the character is lesser. Everything about it, it is. is lesser. He doesn't do anything to the point where, like the rock biter, do do you really need it to be a Treyu right there? Could it have been somebody else? Yeah. Like, couldn't that have just been him and Nimbly the entire time? And then you find out that Nimbly's like a spy working for. I, I just I feel like there's no point to a Treyu whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's actually, when you bring up Nimbly, there are no ramifications for Nimbly being a spy in this entire movie. Right. Like, you know, that should be the main thing of like, okay, he is befriending Bastion, and he's kind of quote unquote 
thinks he's being helped by Nimbly throughout his journey, but then he's, but then actually the, Nimbly is Nimbly, actually yeah. working for the yeah. evil person the entire time. That but then Nimbly can have a change at the end yes. too, and do like a Darth Vader thing but where he kind of comes. Like, yeah. That doesn't I know. come across I know. at all. Like because these get, are terrible writers. There's no, there is no heartbreak because from Bastion being betrayed by his friend Nimbly. Uh, there is no turn of the page, turn of heart for Nimbly. Really, I mean, he has it, but it doesn't mean anything and like immediately once they meet Zaida like Nimbly is just like on the carriage riding with her and it's just like oh okay so did he know that she he was in her yeah, pocket the entire time yeah because Bastion didn't even like bat an eye that like you know yeah. Nimbly and, and the bad lady are cool you know yeah. so Zaida yeah uh, which speaking of her and speaking of bad writing is so Bastion and Atreyu just fought over this thing and so you would think like okay now he's gonna go down the rabbit hole some more he goes back to the fucking um carriage and he sees the wish machine right away and he's like oh shit you're actually evil like there is it just immediately he's like oh fuck i was wrong atreya was right i wish i didn't push him down that (laughs) i I wish i didn't kill him yeah uh so i wish i didn't kill an 11 year old kid yeah and (laughs) Which Falcor went and picked up Atreyu, and so Falcor left, and so here Bastion has to call for Artex to like get on the horse to try and ride away. We also get, you know, again, a not so subtle, but it is somewhat needed, being like, oh, there's only two more wishes, and then, you know, Bastion will be done. Uh, and so, all right, so now he has to, he's, he's escaping. Um, this is the only time in the movie that there's actually any real stakes when there's two yeah. more wishes left. And, yeah. I mean, this movie's garbage beyond garbage but this is the only time it kind of picks up you know and it it kind of you actually feel like there's a sense of urgency to it you feel like okay we really need to actually do something here but there's only like 15 minutes left in the movie so (laughs) what are we really gonna do yeah it does exactly like i was looking at the time a little bit every now and then one i was like oh my god is this movie over yet and then i was like well there's only 15 minutes left i don't feel like anything is even close to being wrapped up (laughs) it's like shit and so they have to go quick uh and bastion is trying to like you know he escapes he has to jump over this like little mini canyon uh i will say zayda does a cool little like grab thing ghost grab thing you don't think it's cool that's anything but cool Well, I mean, she actually showed some power. Right, yes. I, I, I'll give you that. She actually showed having some... This is well, yeah. the second time she's actually done something besides put her face on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. Uh, and so she grabs his head and pulls him down into, like, the uh, a river that's, like, in between the canyon. What uh, happened to Artex? Did he make that jump? I think so. So I he just so. made it, and he was like, oh, where did the person that was on my back go? Yes, exactly. But I'm a horse. I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm just going to go eat some grass. Yep. That's it. That's, that's <laughs> <what it does. laughs> but, dude, uh, going back to the, him being pulled off the horse, he gets pulled off by his head yeah. and kind of falls straight sort of down, face down. That looked like it would have killed him. I think that was the intention. <laughs> from, from that from that uh, height, absolutely, it should have killed him. Well, even just just wrenching his neck back when yeah. he's like forward momentum yeah. like that, <laughs> she would have broken his neck like Gwen Stacy or something. No. Yeah, ah. yeah, there yeah. Go. Look Woo. at that. Woo. man, man, <laughs> man. Uh, all right, and so basically, Zaida is trying to get him to use his last couple wishes. That's why she's like throw him down this canyon. Um, but he didn't do it, uh, and now Nimbly is kind of I guess did change his side, and he's off to help bastion uh and so you know he was turned by the memory of the mother and so he's heading over and so bastion so, yeah so, ba- so basically well it, he he says he's gonna help him but then he goes over to bastion and he gives him some advice then he flies away and he's basically like hey the spy has to just kind of 
you know, take care of the spy. And so even though he is being nice right here, he's also just like, he's just a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I don't blame him there at all. He knows what his master's capable of. Yeah. And so I, I don't blame him at all. <laughs> but, it's, but he doesn't, like, really, really help. I don't feel he does all that much. I mean, he sends him on the right way, I yeah. guess. But he, I, I thought to myself, is he going to fly him there? But, you know, the whole hero's journey thing, I get it. You got to do it for yourself. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, everything yeah. you're saying is correct. I, I get it. Yeah. So Nimbly is not like – I don't think Bastion should really, you know, try to befriend him because – Bastion, or Nimbly just thinks about himself, and he's just like, hey, I'm just going to try and live another day. Peace, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, out. if I could fly, man, I'd be like, yeah. I'm out, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. So now here we're getting the dad reading the book. We're getting just more of some of his narration, you know. It's just Oh, is at this point the dad's home, right? Yeah, the dad's can, at home. Can we, talk, can we talk getting... about how sweaty he is? <laughs> can we, is, is now the time to talk about how sweaty yeah, <laughs> John Wesley ship was? We just get some, like, intercuts throughout, like, from here to, like, the, pretty much the end of the story. Uh, and you see him, like, him going over it. And each time we cut to him, he has more sweat. And he's, <laughs> like, it's, there's, like, more, like, red and dark light on him. And he's just, like... Dude, I've never read a book with such intensity <laughs> that it makes yeah. me sweat. Now, granted, my own son, isn't his life isn't in peril in the book. Yeah. But, like... I don't know, man. Wouldn't you at some point think, like, is Mr. Coriander writing this? Like, is like, yeah. what is happening here? You know, but yeah, whatever. Why am I sweating? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really rough. It's really sweaty. It's <laughs> really, ugh. Uh, so Bastion ends up finding Atreyu and Falcor, um, you know, and the thing that pisses me off is the advice that Nimbly gave to him was like, you know, Turn and have the sun on your back and keep walking for whatever long to do it. And again, with this movie, we don't see the journey. Next fucking scene. He's at Bastion. He's with Atreyu and Falcor. And it's in, like, in the Silver City, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is also that. an island. So how did he get there? I guess you just yeah. assume he took another boat. But yeah, how did he, how did he get there? It just doesn't... The thing that pisses me off is the whole thing about the first movie was the journey to get there. And that's really like the story. And this one, you'd think they should know about what the story is. No, the story is not just like, all right, we're there. All right, we're there. Here's something. Here's something. It's like, no, how did how did they get to each of these spots? Like, I don't we're getting none of the buildup. And so, like, yeah, Nibley's whole scene was worthless to me. If this were a video game, it would start at that scene of him walking through the desert, and then it would flash back, and you would learn how he got there. Yeah. That would make an inch, more interesting movie. It would. Uh, anything would. Anything would. <laughs> anything would. So... Bastion uses one of his last two wishes to bring Atreyu back to life. The kid that he killed, he fucking murdered him. But luckily, he uses Auron to bring him back to life. So, hey, they're friends again. Yay. Uh, so now he only has one wish left. And Zaida shows up at this moment and is like, hey, bitch, you only got one left wish left. You should head out of here. You know, you should wish to go home. Otherwise, you may never get home, sucker. <laughs> that's pretty much and <laughs> she to, drops the mic and walks away <laughs> she's trying to convince him uh you know which is a fair enough thing um but instead bastion uses his last wish for her to have a heart yes aida i will make my last wish i wish for you to have a heart <laughs> And which then makes her cry and her tear that, you know, she shed uh, somehow destroys her, destroy, it drops on the ground and like she gets destroyed. The whole giants get destroyed. Everything is restored in Fantasia. 
How? That makes no fucking clue. There was no setup that, like, I, I guess so. I mean, and it just, it just, to me, it came out of nowhere. I guess it's because she is empty inside, and, like, she's the emptiness, and so he's trying to, he's cle- fixing the emptiness by making it have it heart, making it have emotions. But, like, there wasn't, there wasn't any good setup for that. He's just like, you know, it, it felt like he made that wish as, like, a revenge. Like, you know what? Instead of me wishing home, I'm going to wish you have a heart, bitch. And she did. And then it just happens to fix everything. I'm not going to lie. I kind of love that part. Okay. I, 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 I thought that that was, like, effective. I, yeah. I was like, you know what? That was kind of clever. I mm. might not have used that as my last wish. Like, I don't think I would have thought of that. I thought it was kind of clever. I, it's a Hail Mary. You don't know if it's going to fix anything. Yeah. But if you, it's kind of like if I'm going to go out, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very zen thing to do because me, Corey, at that age would say, if I'm going to go out with no memories, I'm going to take all you fuckers with me. Yeah. But he said Bastion, which is, proves why he's the hero. He's like, well, you know what? If I'm going to go out... At least I can leave something positive behind. And he doesn't know what that's going to fix. He knows that she's powerful. He knows that everything bad is coming from her. Maybe this will do something. It's a Hail Mary, and honestly, it's the best fucking part yeah, of the movie. Fair enough. Truthfully. Thinking about it, it's like, okay, yeah, she is the power And she's so overcome by, like, yeah. like, all right, so there's this comic that I love called The Authority. And it's basically an adult version of the the Justice League. Okay. And it's, it was put out by Wildstorm. It's very violent. It's very brutal. There's this one character called the Doctor. He can do anything and everything, but the key is he's basically the Earth Shaman. And the key is, is that you get all the knowledge of everyone who came before you. So every Doctor should be more and more mm. smart and more and more powerful. So this one bad guy in, in the second book, and I'll, I'll let you borrow it if you mm-hmm. want because they're fantastic. They, they, this one bad Doctor comes back. He was the Doctor before because there only can be one. He comes back. And they have to fight him, and he just devastates them. But basically all they have to do to beat him is allow time for his mind to catch up to his, like, who he is. So, like, once he gets the powers of the Doctor, Mm -hmm. it's like he's doing all these bad shits, like, really bad shit. And then all of a sudden it just, like, crushes him because he starts – he gets all the knowledge of the Doctors before him, and he – finds love like he's like oh my god what have i done with all this power and it just destroys him you know and and i i think it's such a con it's an interesting concept because you defeat the person from within you know and and compassion is a very powerful thing i mean look at it our president now doesn't have it like look at the state that we're in you know (laughs) that's a little uh, bit too political sure sure but like compassion (laughs) we need it as a a people. (laughs) (laughs) and lizard people don't have it so you know okay i Honestly, it was the best fucking part of the yeah. whole entire movie. Okay. I mean, yeah, we see we see the childlike empress comes she comes to the silver city and she kind of says that line pretty much how you put it. You know, she says, "You have found the only wish powerful enough to save us, Bastion. The emptiness cannot be destroyed. It had to be filled with love." So that wraps it up like as to why that worked and okay, I'll allow it. It just at the time when it happened, I was like, what the fuck? It's it's kind of anticlimactic, yeah. I, I would say, but in a movie that has not really anything going on we in don't, it. We don't know what has to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, with a lot of other movies, you know something has to happen. You have to beat the force somehow, and you kind of mostly know 
how it should be done. Here, we don't know how it ha- it just fuck it just fucking happened, and then we get told because in, in the first movie to do it, he has to name her, yes. but but he doesn't sort of know that right away. He's yeah. got to figure that out. This this again, yeah, it, this was more of like a Deus Ex Machina. It mm. was it was a long shot, although it, it fits within the parameters. It, yeah, it still became a wish, you know. Yes. So uh, all right, so. Bastion has to get home, and apparently to get home, he has to jump into a fucking Niagara Falls again. <laughs> Same footage as the one from yes. the, the diving board. Yep, and so, but he has to, you know, get his courage or whatever, and uh, he has to, you know, he wishes, he wants to, he wants to tell his dad that he uh, can go, he wants to go home and tell his dad that he loves him, and so he jumps into the fucking river, and then, um, you know, there's a knock at the door, and the dad who was reading the book goes down there still looking sweaty as shit uh and it's raining outside and you know they're reunited and it's a very yay and i, I guess his memories came back oh okay yeah i was, I <laughs> was gonna say they yeah don't, they don't they don't discuss that at all like or there's no like visual of like of, of like of some recognition yeah like it. yeah of all the things they ham-fistingly tell us yeah there's no point where they show where like his memories come back yeah, which you know would, honestly kind of needed that like i, I was like yeah i would have been cool to like see you know like yep. jonathan brandis should have been acting more and more vacant i think yeah, which, during the whole movie and then and at the end like when he gets all his memories he should like that life should come back into his face now my last note on here is are you a fan of waterboy (laughs) the movie waterboy so when atreo says you can do it bastion did you not (laughs) get the sense of rob schneider you can do it it. that's good you can do it bastion you can do it but yeah so we assume bastion's fine he's got all his memories back the movie is Done, and then uh, the credits roll, and we get a sh- much shittier version of the never-ending story song uh, that they obviously re-recorded, and it's not nearly as good as the first one. Is is it the same song that's at the beginning of the movie, too? No, it, it felt like, I think it was a different song, What the fuck honestly. was that at the beginning the of the beginning movie, The beginning was dude. awful. I don't know what the hell it was, because I don't think it was the never-ending story song, because I don't remember those lyrics at all. This one actually had the never-ending story, yeah. but it was just a bad version. Dude, that kind of, I mean, that honestly sums up the entire movie. This is a bad version of the never-ending story one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do do our final thoughts. Um, I'll get started. Uh, Yeah. The way you put it, this movie, it feels like a very, it's very rehashed from the original, uh, like just in a bad way. They took some story points and then it just kind of like rewrote them, but done shittily. Everything shittier. Um, The father's narration doesn't work as well as Bastion's narration, nothing is as good as this movie. The, the, the acting wasn't as good. The writing wasn't good. The directing wasn't good. The, the production, the story, like the production value wasn't as good. There was also, there was no depth in this movie. There was a lot of depth in that first movie. Fucking when Artex dies, 
holy shit. Like, you feel really sad for Atreyu. A whole this, generation of kids got ruined exactly. by that scene. You, there is no moment of, like, that I really felt. When, even when Atreyu died, I, I didn't feel like there was anything intense about it. He just kind of got pushed off the cliff. And then Bastion goes away. And that was it. And we don't really like, I don't think we sit on the moment of Atreyu's death all that well. And it doesn't hit me like that horse. The horse is dying really did something to me. But also the rock biters, uh, whole storyline, the nothing taking him away. And like the depth that, that there is with that. Even there's other depth. Like even things with like Gamork was so much better. There's none of that here. There's fucking nothing. And the, the giant turtle in the first one was, yeah. was such an awesome set. Such yes. an awesome design. Such an awesome awesome like moment in cinematic history man like i I love that fucking turtle i hate hate that fucking turtle (laughs) i i hate the turtle because it annoys me okay it sneezes all the time i find it and the voice i find very annoying but you cannot deny the look and production value of that turtle is top notch yeah yeah Uh, the entire just main thing that i got out of this movie was um Memories are good. You should keep them, I guess. Eh, That's about it. Eh. Love, uh, love your dad. Don't be a dick yeah, to your dad, yeah, maybe. And hey, don't be a dick to your son when he's wearing like the sweater that your wife, his yeah. mother, made before she died. Yeah, exactly. Your your German wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was obviously, if you've listened this far, you know I'm disappointed. I think we both are uh, because also things weren't what I remember because I do have some nostalgic value. I remember Jonathan Brandis being okay and he was maybe the best actor in the movie other than that being like the legit best actor but still none of them acted well. They were not very good at it. Um, yeah, I thought I remembered some things that I like. I thought I remembered Rockbiter, Rockbiter being a bigger, better part of the story. He wasn't. Nothing is really what I kind of remember from the film. I didn't even remember Zaida at all. I only remembered Nimbly uh, as like the, from the villain side. And, um, and the Giants. I remember uh, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I definitely remember the Giants, too. But that was it. I don't remember like really much else beside them other than their look. And so I thought that there was something in my head that I was going to remember and like from this movie. I was wrong, man. <laughs> I was so fucking wrong. I did not enjoy it really hardly really one bit. I still I, we've pulled out a couple things. Production design was good. Costume was good. Falcor didn't look as good as he did in no, the first No, he did movie. not. Falcor looked cheap. Yeah, he did. In this one. Yeah, I think it's it seemed to me like they had to rebuild him probably. Yeah. They, I'm sure they didn't have the original Falcor. Yeah. And again, it felt like a lesser Falcor. Just the craftsmanship just wasn't there. Yeah. So yeah, so for my opinion, do not watch it people. Stay the fuck away if you liked it when you were a kid. Then that's it. And you probably, I can almost guarantee you will not like it now. But all right, Corey, your final thoughts, anything else to add? Jesus, man. I I think I put everything on on the cast. Uh, I'm with you, man. Like, I didn't have much nostalgic uh, uh, value to this. Uh, I don't even have a lot of nostalgic value to the original, although I do like Mm -hmm. it. And every time I see the original, I'm like, oh, yeah, man, this fucking movie's good. Like, I I forgot how good this fucking movie is. But I've maybe only seen the original maybe like five or six times in my life. Uh, This, I think I've probably seen this maybe at this point probably three or four, Mm -hmm. sadly. (laughs) And... It's terrible. It, there's no reason for it to exist. And I remember, I remember in like screenwriting 101, my favorite fucking teacher of all time in college, uh, um, Professor, uh, I think his name is Zillinger, and he said just anytime you have an idea for a story, the first fucking thing you do is you ask yourself, is there a point to this? Does this need to be told? Like, mm-hmm. does this story need to be told? And I watch this movie, and I don't even think I take away the fact that memories are good. There's 
I don't really know what I take away from this film, to be truthful. I think obviously like having emptiness inside of you is, is the bad part, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and filling it with love can conquer all, but that was kind of like a a clever deus ex machina moment at the end. And it didn't feel like it was an idea that they were trying to instill during the entire movie. Like, I feel like they could have been pushing the emptiness, like even the queen, I keep calling her the evil queen. (laughs) uh, I, even she, she doesn't even seem that bad bad i don't know what her motivation is other than everything is chaotic and she wants to make it more structured but it's not like she's built like it would be more interesting if what was being replaced was like say you have all this like countryside and and Mm. you know the tower and running water and stuff and she's replacing it with i don't want to say tron-esque things but things that are very structured Mm. very hard angles you know and and she was replacing it with something that was much more like structured, I can't think of a better word. And, and and she's like, that's her motivation. But you don't see that in the movie. No, you don't yeah. get what she's trying to do. And and if everything just disappears, is she going to disappear too? So, yeah, I mean, everything you already said is true. The, the, everything we said is it's it's a terrible movie. Don't go and watch it. You don't need to. And if you've never seen it, please don't see it. If only thing good to come out of it is Jonathan Brandis. I, I miss that kid, man. Mm-hmm. I, I love Sequest DSV. Mm-hmm. I think he, he was a fantastic actor. And, uh, you know, John Wesley Shipp is great. And the guy who played Nimbly is great. You know, at least, at least praise those people, even if yeah. the directing of some of them was not great, you know. But after that, man, this, this movie doesn't bring anything to the fucking table, like, worth saying at e- all. Even though the story is never-ending? Probably fucking should. <laughs> this is this is this should where you should stop the story. Yes. Right now. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, so wow. <laughs> thanks for thanks for this being the first one we, yes, we do. All right. <laughs> fun. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Hope you all liked it. Just a reminder: if you guys are on iTunes, please rate and review us. It really really helps the podcast. If you're interested in supporting us, you can check us out on Patreon at. The Blast from Our Past podcast, and check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Blast Pastcast. Corey, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on the NSFW Gamer podcast. That's on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. The usual uh, NSFW Gamer podcast, and you can find me on Instagram at Corey Nation. All right, so for the Blast from Our Past, I'm Adam, and I'm Corey, and. Don't go, I don't know. (laughs) Don't go see this movie. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs)